0: and get 10% off your plan.
1: When we say sustainable, we're really serious about it. This is why I joined Thrive Market. We were zero waste from day one. We were carbon neutral from day one, yet nobody knew. And for me, it was largely because we didn't have the certifications. We felt like we have to be leading the industry. We have to show that forces like us can be a force for good, not just profit. And we have to showcase that so that others get inspired in the industry. We have a role bigger than just ourselves. It is really, really getting the industry to see this and take action. And so to me, those certifications were very, very key in getting that recognition.
2: Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce.
3: I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofsetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. just recorded this episode during earnings season
2: of Q2, Q3. What quarter are we in, Sarah? We are past the ends of Q2. We are yeah. well into Q3. Earnings are starting to come out.
3: Yeah. Earnings are coming out. Keeping track of everyone's fiscal calendar is crazy
2: these days. Oh, that's a whole other story.
3: Yeah. yeah. But a lot of the retailers' earnings are coming out, and you're seeing Wall Street kind of feel like these retailers right now aren't differentiated. That the big bets that they're all taking are kind of all the same. It's actually creating this really nice white space in the market for other retailers to appear who are more differentiated in their value proposition.
2: Yeah, there have been a few articles, I would say, even about what are you known for ultimately? Like, of course, Walmart is known for everyday low prices. But then you start going further out. What is Amazon known for? Probably a, a personalization level, or you look at like the hyper niche folks, or you look at like a Trader Joe's and you say, oh my God, why are they still not in e-commerce? And you say, because if it ain't broke. But then there's this middle space of what are you known for? What is the benefit that you're bringing other than being an aggregator of suppliers? What purpose do you serve in this world?
3: And a few years ago, out of LA, a new player really began to emerge, which is Thrive Market. At first, the cachet around it was that it was really targeting like upper middle class folks, but they've made it their mission to ensure that they can impact every person who has the ability to buy groceries, whether they're in a
2: low income bracket or they are in the upper middle class. I think what's great is the idea of both accessibility and being mission driven from a sustainability standpoint rarely do you get the combination factor of sustainable food that is actually affordable as well. And their commitment to doing that, I have to say, is, is kind of miraculous. I don't really know how they do it. I'm very happy that they do it. But the fact that they can be carbon footprint neutral and affordable is just, to me, I, I don't think we were able to unlock the how, because it's probably a secret sauce that the commitment I think is incredibly inspiring. And as brands start thinking about how do they diversify audiences, I think it's a really interesting play. It's hard to get the kind of attention that you need with some of these players, but I think Thrive's doing a lot to set a new standard of what it means to really lead with mission. Today, we are happy to have Amina Pasha, Sammo, and Thrive Market joining us. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me and
1: Rachel. I'm and over thrilled to have you. Equally, I'm so excited to be here and and very honored to represent our beloved brand Thrive Market.
2: Yes. And let's get into that because you spent over a decade at P&G and then moved to the challenger side at Honest. And now you're leading marketing for a major e-grocery player in Thrive Market. You've got that brand experience, the leader, the challenger, what are the unique elements that led you to feeling like you're, you've are you got this right to win? And what did you learn from the big and the small?
1: Yeah, it's a really, really great question. And, and one I get asked a lot. p really taught me to be a general manager first. And so many people don't know this. They assume, oh, you're CMO. You must have done your MBA. I actually never did my MBA. I jokingly say, but it's, it's actually pretty serious that I got my MBA through P&G. And what was incredible from the day I walked in, I remember my first role was as an EBM and an associate brand manager on Pantene. I was handed the PL and asked to speak about how the brand was doing and the brand health. And our brand was not doing well. So it was a conversation that actually went really sour. And my budget was cut. And I got the first inflection of what it really felt like to be owning a brand. And that taught me so much. It taught me about. Being a general manager is more than just marketing. It's about understanding every aspect of the brand from supply chain, from pricing, from positioning, from the packaging, who we're working with, our partners, everything we had to think through and make sure, did we have the right strategy? Were we thinking about things the right way? And that has helped me tremendously throughout my career. Almost every role I've done has involved every single function uh, being integrated through marketing in order to succeed. And that was the second main thing that P&G taught me really, really well, was you had to be a cross-functional leader. As you walked in, even as as an ABM or brand manager or brand director at P&G, you could not be a great leader if you were not a great cross-functional leader, which meant you had to engage, inspire, involve all the relevant functions at the right time, which, you know, looking back seems easy, but knowing who the right partners are, when to pull them in, how to influence them, how to inspire them, how to accomplish really big and lofty goals from launching a new product in China, for example, or coming up with the next big innovation for Crest. These are all very multifunctional projects. And these were all great learnings that I took when I went from the big to the smaller or the mission centric brands. Then on the flip side, I have to say the mission brands taught me so much. When you work on smaller businesses and smaller brands, one of the assumptions you make when you come in is that the people are all going to be great. They must all be great because they're all into the mission. And also because you've come from a big brand where it's so rigorous, like the PNG process to just even get interviewed was so grilling and gruesome. We used to joke about it, that the people who eventually made it were all very talented and were functional experts. And when you come to smaller companies, you're almost not prepared. You're almost overwhelmed because you have to really judge every single person on your team, which is, it sounds incredible, but you have to really make sure every single person on your team has the capabilities to succeed. And the capabilities to succeed in a mission driven brand are very different than in a big, large company where processes are defined and budgets are clear and roles and responsibilities are clear. So, people has been the key to my success. And it's also been where I have failed the most when I have not made a quick enough action or a decision. Uh, or lingered one place or the other. But once you have the right, what I call butts and seats, really it's the teams that can make almost the miracles happen on these mission brands. And I've seen it even at Thrive Market. We've been having a stellar, stellar progress on our member growth this year. And I have to say the entire kudos goes to this incredible team brought in a, a head of member growth and he has built that team from the ground up and they have just been really, really crushing it. So People is key. The second big thing that I learned, you know, when you're working a big brand, the brand strategy is so clear, crystal clear almost, that you're tweaking it. And even the tweaking it takes generations to get aligned. But when you come to these small brands, whether I was at Honest or Thrive Market, the brand strategy is not really that defined. In fact, in both cases, it wasn't even written down. We didn't have a brand book at Honest when I nor did we have it at Thrive Market. And so the first step I had to come in is is actually define it. And part of it is in the heads of the founders. You spend a lot of time with the founders, but part of it is, is in the minds of the consumers. So you have to spend a lot of time understanding the consumer, the customer, what are the values, and you have to really think and define what that brand strategy is and what the values are, how the mission is going to come to life what the founding story was, what the why was, it has to be written down. It's not good enough to be in just a few people's heads. It has to be every single person's mind that joins the company. And so the second big thing for me was doing that brand strategy, getting this brand book, and then onboarding, not just the entire marketing team, but actually the entire company needs to be onboarded in. So when somebody's coming through operations or through technology, they have an equal understanding of what the brand is about. So they can connect their job back to the mission and the brand. Like, why am I working on this? Oh, it's to make healthy living easy. I have to figure out, am I actually making it easier through this new feature or this new app or this new technology? And for that that person, the purpose then becomes clear. And so my job's not done until every single person is fully clear on what those brand values are. And last but not least, mission marketing is very nuanced. It's less about the marketing. It's more about like, what actions have we taken? What goals did we set up? What did we achieve? And then it's the storytelling and humanizing after it. So we have to first go do all the hard work, which I have to say, Pride Market had already done when I had joined. They were this underdog brand that was just doing, but not talking. And for me, it was about, okay, how do we get some of the credentials here? How do we get the certifications, And then how do we tell some of the stories of all this incredible heroic work that's been done in the mission brand? It really, I think, having done the big and now done the small, you kind of level out to very different experiences. And it really does take those full set of capabilities for you to succeed in in today's market.
3: Love the homage that you just paid to P&G. We've had a few P&G executives on the show, as well as people who've been in your position, started their careers there, and then have gone on to great things. Someone recently articulated sort of the P&G culture to me in this way, which is, It's I versus we, and not I in terms of selfishness, but I in terms of accountability and ownership. And I think it was everything that you were just saying around the GM mentality and why that's put them in a position to continue to be ahead of the market in their careers.
0: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.
3: In terms of mission, Sarah and I are obviously Thrive enthusiasts, and we would articulate Thrive's mission as bringing healthy food to as many people as possible. If I'm an average employee at Thrive or even a member, how do I know if Thrive is making progress on that mission?
1: Yeah, you got half our mission, right? So our mission (laughs) is, yes, definitely about bringing healthy food to our people, but it is more than that. So we define it as, it's really about making healthy and sustainable living easy, affordable, and accessible. So there is a big healthy component, but we are not done without the sustainability component as well. So the first thing in terms of access is what you were talking about, access to healthy groceries and healthy food. One of the biggest goals we put during the pandemic was we have to have a metric. A lot of times people go into mission and they have milestones, but they don't have metrics. And I felt it was very important we do both. During the pandemic, there were a large disproportionate amount of people who were suffering from food inequality. And we said as a company, we are going to raise $10 million by 2025 in healthy groceries and food stipends. That was a clear metric and a clear goal because we had a milestone and a goal. And we put to work everybody on it. Our founders, our thrivers, who are employees, and our members. Our founder, in fact, Nick Green, donated his salary the first year just to show his commitment to that bold statement that we put out there. Our members contributed and the biggest donations to this date come from member donations and contributions. Last but not least, the thrivers also contributed, which is the employees giving back, and we matched their contributions too. And as a result of all of that effort, we were able to reach $10 million in groceries, not in 25, not in 24, but actually earlier this year. And I was so proud of the team because they put that lofty goal and they delivered it ahead of even the milestone that we had recommended. And now we have a new milestone. Which we now have to get to 20 million. So the work doesn't go away. The goals get loftier. I was just impressed with the movement we were able to create with our members, with our founders, with our thrivers. And we brought them along the journey. It wasn't an easy journey. And so we shared how every step of the way we were making progress and the, the people we were helping, the partners like we worked with Baby to Baby and Food Fork, who are the families we're helping, which neighborhoods do they live in, what are their favorite Thrive snacks. We really shared back to our members the people that they were helping and that human aspect was key. And so that is one part of our mission, but I cannot say we complete the other story of, of our mission if I don't talk about the sustainability and other aspect that we've done on our mission. And so when we say sustainable, we're really serious about it. And this is why I joined Thrive Market. We were zero waste from day one. We were carbon neutral from day one, yet nobody knew. And for me, it was largely because we didn't have the certifications. So we went and the team has done all the work again to get us zero waste certified in three of our fulfillment centers. We achieved all of that last year in 2022. This year we were climate neutral certified and we also then said we have to do something on the plastic side and so we got plastic neutral certified this year for our own brand. We got B Corp certified in October 2020 and we said that's still not enough and then we went and got a public benefit corporation this year in 2023 and, and the reason we went for that was we felt like we have to be leading the industry we have to show that forces like us can be a force for good, not just profit. And we have to showcase that so that others get inspired in the industry. We have a a role bigger than just ourselves. It is really, really getting the industry to see this and take action. And so to me, those certifications were very, very key in getting that recognition. And then last but not least, we think through every aspect of the member or the consumer experience. And we kind of feel that even some of the big retailers need to think about this. And the consumer also needs to think about this. We cannot be truly sustainable as a company or as a brand if we are not cognizant of the actions we're taking. So I was having this earlier discussion with my son who wanted something in 24 hours. He said, well, why can't I get it in 24 hours? And I said, well, because then we have to ship it by air. And that's just not good for the planet. Wait a few more days, nothing will happen. And so we have this carbon neutral shipping policy where we will not airship. We will send things through. Round and we will also not send you a one Z or a two Z. We just don't feel that's right to put one product in a huge box and spend all this effort to ship it to you. And our members recognize us for that. So we can't get it to you in 24 hours, but we will get it to you within two to three days. And we think a little planning goes a long, long way. And so those are just a few of the examples that we have done to really bring our mission to life and take action in areas that we feel are impactful for all.
2: Wow, that's a lot. So You're like basically saving the planet single-handedly.
1: Definitely not doing it single-handedly. So the message is out there for everyone to help join us to really do that. To your point, we can't make that huge impact on our own, but we can inspire others.
2: I say it with tremendous admiration. And even as a parent, the way you're doing that is, is saying instant gratification comes
1: at a cost. Exactly. And I think it's they just don't know, right? And so it's us educating Others, us educating industry, our children, the generations, just to be better, savvier business leaders. We can all do it. Absolutely.
2: So I have to ask, you are trying to lead by example, which is tremendous. You work with all of these suppliers. A lot of the suppliers that you work with are Brave Commerce listeners. As you think about what makes for a great partnership between you and your suppliers, what does best in class look like? Can you give some tips to our listeners on how to really win in partnership with you guys? If you were doing a JBP, I don't know that you necessarily do that, but if you were, what would you look for in a partnership with your suppliers?
1: Yeah, your question is music to my ears. It's literally something we are deep in discussion. So we definitely do JBP. We're actually in the process of redefining our JBP. So it's very timely that you ask this question. I think a great partnership is very much like a great relationship. It's really built on trust and open communication. That's the fundamentals. Like if you don't even have that, then nothing else can work. And so one of the things that we instituted, we used to do it on an annual basis. And then we asked ourselves, why are we doing this once a year? This is such an outstanding connect that we do. And we do it during the Expo West timing. We would have an annual summit. We've turned it into a quarterly summit where we basically bring all of our brand partners together, and we do it virtually for three times, and then we do it in person during Expo West. The in-person is absolutely outstanding because they all come, and we first share with what we are doing. You know, we have to first lead with like, what is the Thrive Market strategy? How much progress have we made on our mission, on our brands? And to your point, what are expectations from our partners? And so. A great example of of a partnership is, again, two-way street communication, but also the ability to drive action together, to me. And so one great example I can give you of that was we've been working on getting EBT Snap, which is basically food stamps, access to not just, which today is to big box retailers and their online platforms somehow. Somebody forgot about pure play e-commerce players. And so here we are, we're not a big box retailer, we're e-commerce players, and we are restricted from being able to do that, which makes absolutely no sense because we're actually able to provide our products in areas where no one else can reach, you know, middle of Arkansas and Wisconsin. So here we shared with our brands, this is what we're doing. We really want to take action, but we want you to, to join us on this pledge to get the leaders to help open this up for us. And guess what happened? You know, Nick shared this, our CEO, they all said, sign us up. We want to pledge with you. We want to turn this around. And we started to see action moving in our direction to open this up, hopefully in in the near future. But it's action like that, that we can't do individually. We can't change the industry on our own. But when our brand partners can support us and agree with us on our strategy and where we're going, that to me is an outstanding partnership because now it's one plus one equals five. We're going to have an impact that's going to be fivefold. And that's just one example of how I really evaluate a true partnership. And it goes both ways. It's not like we don't mess up as a brand too. We all learn through our failures. And when we do, we actually overly communicate and tell our partners like, hey, this is not going well, or this project we think is going to have a delay. Here's what's going on. Here's the latest. And we share that bad news with them. And we bring them along the journey. And we say, here's what we need to help fix it. Here's what you'll need to do to help fix it. And then we work on that action plan together. And so through those conversations through that open communication, we're able to to get the best for both. But the industry one is to me like the gold standard of where I'd love to get all brand partnerships leading, you know, really thinking above and beyond just the company goals, but actually thinking about what bigger impact they can make.
3: It seems like one of the low hanging growth levers is leveling up the strategic partnerships with the brand suppliers. Are there other growth strategies
1: that are on Thrive's mind to get to the next level as a company? Oh, yes. I mean, for us, Our growth obviously is always going to come through mission, but there are different avenues that drive that growth. So, first has been really bringing in high quality wellness champions and members. And for us, this year has been really on fire. The health conscious movement continues to grow, and that will continue to grow. But we have learned to not really undersell membership, but to actually communicate openly on why we're membership and how the membership enables you to have a healthy lifestyle. So growing our member base will continue to be the number one growth lever and priority. And we have grown astronomically this year through TikTok, through Meta. And TikTok has really taught us a lot. It has taught us that the consumer is basically learning to search not on Google, but on TikTok. And so how do we educate and search and use TikTok really with that insight in mind? And so that has been an unfolding growth strategy for us. We're now looking into like other avenues where we can continue to do more video-based storytelling about our mission and how the impact we can play on that front. On the second area, which we're also, we're currently in alpha beta testing is how do we expand our category growth? And so, you know, we started off as a very pantry essentials and staples, but now we're actually in every major category except one, which I'm about to unveil in a minute. We've gone into supplements. We've gone into beauty, clean beauty and skincare. We are in diapers, wipes. And so really pretty much every non-perishable category you can imagine, non-toxic cleaning, et cetera, we really are testing. What I'm most excited is organic and healthy, fresh produce. And so that's going to be the next frontier. We also launched Frozen, but it was not your regular Frozen. We launched what we call Healthy Frozen because we understood the consumer wants convenience, but they also want healthy convenience. So we only pick the top healthiest products for the Frozen. That we launched as well. And we've seen a really a strong growth on the frozen category as well since we launched it. And once we get fresh, we would be a complete, you know, online, healthy grocery store end-to-end, which is tremendously exciting from the uh, the growth opportunity that we expect it to have. So that has been another big one. And then the last one that we've grown tremendously from, but we are continuing to innovate on and build on, is our own brand, you know. So About a quarter of our business is our own brand, which many people call private label, but I just do not like that term because ironically it is, you know, most private labels are basically cheaper, less good than the competitor brand. And we are the exact opposite. We want to be the best product at the best value. And so our own brand is about just north of 600 products. And It was born from the insight that when we launched all these third-party brands, we started to see a lot of the data and the insights. And we started to see where in our portfolio were there actual gaps, where in our portfolio were certain categories missing, or certain products missing, or certain SKUs or certain sizes. And that is what led to the inception of the Thrive Market brand. And we said, how do we create the highest quality, most ethically sourced products, but at the most affordable price, exclusive to only our members? And so I have to throw out one product, my extra virgin olive oil from Crete, made with organic kolonaki olives, expeller, expressed, and just tastes amazing. So, and you can't get it anywhere else. You just get it at Thrive. And so it has been another secret key unlock to our growth strategy is having this exclusive brand that our members love, but you have to be a member to get.
3: Well, the growth strategy really feels 360, which is exciting. Also exciting for suppliers as well. We have to ask you our famous
1: last question, which is what's the bravest thing you've ever done? You know, I debated a lot. What story do I share here? So I'm going to share two micro stories with you uh, and go deeper on the more recent one. So this question changes depending on when you would ask me. If you had asked me two years or more ago, I would have told you from a work perspective, a career perspective, the transition from PNG uh, to honest, was the bravest thing I had done in terms of my career. And not just because I was going from big and small, but because I had a four month old baby. I was a first-time mom. We are told, I remember PNG told me when you have a baby, make sure you only change one or two aspects of your career. Like maybe just change your brand, but you know, try to not change your brand, your country, your manager all at the same time. And here I was faced with an opportunity that was absolutely incredible. I was going to be the VP and head of marketing for the Honest Company brand. I had worked on baby and beauty all of my life. And it was an area I could add a lot of value, but I could also learn a lot. But it came at the most inopportune time. And I had this four-month-old baby. And I was like, how am I going to do this? We had just also bought a house. And the reason why I share this is for your audience is I think a lot of times we are our own worst enemy. We have our own demons in our head. And we kind of outright just tell ourselves we can't do it. You know, it's going to be too much. It's too much change. We can't manage. And I knew I had to take this role. And my husband supported me hundred percent. And then we sat down and said, well, what's, the, what's the help we need? And that's the right way to think about these kind of big changes in your career. What help and support do you need to get through it? And so my husband actually was not working when we made the move and he helped us actually unwind, pack and sell our house, which was not easy. I called my mother-in-law and my mom to help rotate and help me with the baby because I knew the first six months were going to be brutal on me. And they were, it was a steep learning curve. Even though I was adding value, I had to learn a lot of things and I had to be completely dedicated and it was a sacrifice, but it was a really important pivot in my career. Uh, I hoped to not have to go through something as, you know, torturous as that, but last year was, was, I would say the bravest um, experience of my life. And it was the toughest year because here I was again with a child. This was my second son, was oddly born on January 1st. He was supposed to be born December, but refused to come out and then popped out Jan 1st, first baby in the hospital, of course, wants to beat all records coming out. And exactly three and a half months later, it was, it was literally like deja vu with with honest. I have a four month old baby and my father passes away. And I was incredibly close to my father and it was unexpected. And I was devastated and you know I I was out for three or four days. And it was the most gruesome, gruesome year of my life. Um, many other things unfolded that year, but the loss of my father was was so profound on me because he was more than a dad. He was a mentor. He was a friend. He was a North Star. And I felt I had no North Star. I was, I was a North Star for my family, but who was my North Star? And because it happened so suddenly, I was, I felt so lost. And I kept asking myself this question over and over again. Why is this happening now? Why did this happen to me? Your brain plays tricks on you until somebody answered this question and it ties back to your podcast really well. They said, this happened to you now because you are at your strongest. And I was just looked at them and I was so stunned by what they said. And they were spot on. When I, when I looked at myself, you know, my dad had written me this like letter when I was like 27, which clearly made no sense to me then. And it all unfolded. Now my mom had found it, given it to me he talked about this notion of balance in life that you, you know, too much of anything or too little of anything is not good. So his exact words are nothing in life is completely good or completely bad. You have to balance things often as a saying goes, less is more. I had learned to balance myself. I will tell you, it took me my entire career to figure out how to balance myself. And that means balancing work, life, kids, family. I actually, literally tell people I don't stress out anymore. There is no stress in my, I have figured out how to eliminate stress. That can be a whole other conversation. But when that person told me that I realized I was at my strongest, this is why this is happening to me right now. And rather than falling back on it, I have to embrace it. I have to step back in. And so what did I do? I worked harder. I worked out harder. So I I do exercise every day. I went back to the gym, back to my job, and I spend more time with my family than ever, because I also realized life is finite. I also then, at the very end of the year, circle back with my team. And this was a hard one. Do I talk about this? Do I not talk about this? This is a really awkward conversation. But my team had seen what I'd gone through this year. I you know, was all over the place. I had lost my dad. My mom was sick, was flying back and forth, Pakistan. So I said, you know what? I'm going to talk about it. And I talked about it in the context of life is so unexpected. You're not going to know what's going to hit you. You're not going to know what's going to happen next in your in your life in your career, but you're going to have to learn how to deal with it, how to bounce back, how to balance things, and bring your you know kind of balance back. And I shared the key insights my dad had shared with me on what what life is really about and how to how to manage all these things, and how I felt during this whole experience. And I talked about my immense gratitude, especially to not just my whole marketing team but my leadership team who had who had unfortunately had to compound a lot of the the work too because I was going in and out. And I think that was actually a very relieving process for me because I was able to share that uh, with my team. And several people came back to me and said, you know, they had a really tough year or two, and wanted to talk about it and, and talk through how they went through either a divorce or loss of a family or whatever it was that was going on. It just made me feel, you know, in some weird way complete. And so it isn't easy and losing a loved one is probably the worst thing. And And, and I will openly say the pain never goes away, but You learn how to deal with it. You learn how to come back and you learn to find what my dad called this balance. And so sharing that with the audience, because we're all going to go through it at some point in our lives. And I hope that gives you some some bit of guidance on how to how to strive through it. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's so
3: clear why you gravitate towards mission driven organizations when your father really seems like this this guiding light. It's amazing to see the impact that he made on you and the relationship that you guys shared together. So, thank you for sharing that.
1: You're most welcome.
3: Well, Thrive Market is absolutely a player to watch. They have a lot of growth levers under their belt. So, we'll all keep our eyes on Thrive and continue to cheer the company on.
1: Yes, absolutely. And thank you so very much for having me. It's an honor to have Thrive represented here. If you enjoyed
3: hearing a retailer perspective, we got a bunch more on the show. You can go listen to Albertsons with their chief sustainability officer, Suzanne. You can go listen to Best Buy, which obviously has a differentiated value proposition in market with Keith, their SVP. And how can we forget Walmart with their VP of marketing, Kara? Go check out those episodes. If you're enjoying the show, tell a friend, write us a review, give us a like, give us a follow.
2: Thank
0: you. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet Bible Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.
1: Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer at Edelman and the host of Touch of Truth, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice, meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming center stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights, and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking. Touch of Truth is available wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes come out every Tuesday. I do hope to see you there.